Welcome to the Cordwainers In Your Shoes podcast. My name is Katie Greenier and I'm the Creative Talent and Network Director at Pentland Brands. Cordwainers are shoemakers and today the Worshipful Company of Cordwainers works to promote footwear design and entrepreneurship in both education and the fashion industry. To celebrate the company's 750th anniversary, we have recorded this series to explore what it is like to live in the shoes of those who make them. Helen Kirkham is a London-based artist and designer. She's developed a unique formula learnt from traditional manufacturing to deconstruct and reconstruct footwear, utilising recycled and dead stock. She has the ability to tell the most incredible stories through her work and is extremely talented and beautiful person both inside and out. She started her own studio in 2019 and I'm delighted to be speaking with her on this beautiful sunny morning. Helen and I are both Cordwainers, members of the ancient City of London's livery company, which has been supporting shoemakers for the past 750 years. I'm here today in Helen Kirkham's studio in Hackney Wick, and it's really cool. There's paintings and tape and scalpels and plants and thread and machines and lots of old sneakers. And out of the window, I can see the Olympic Stadium, and I'm absolutely inspired. And it reminds me of my old studio when I was first when I first started. Hi Helen, how are you? Hello, I'm really good. Thank you so much for coming all the way out here to see me and I'm so happy to be here on the pod. So should we get in straight in? Sure, let's get into it. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Hampshire in the south of England and um, yeah, just grew up in like a small town, quite rural, and there's not that, that's not that much interesting things to say about where I grew up, really. I had a really, like, yeah, lovely childhood. And, yeah, a lot of countryside, a lot of walks. I think a lot are surrounded by nature a lot, which I guess, like, comes through in my work sometimes as well. What did your parents do? My parents, my mum actually used to make dresses when I was little. She had a little brand and she used to make baby clothes when I was really small so I used to always have to model those and then yeah she had a brand so she made made clothes which was lovely and we even made my prom dress together and then my dad is a design engineer so he comes from much more practical background a lot more like analytic kind of background so I think when you see those two things combined you kind of get a feel of I guess where I ended up. So making in your blood. Yes. <laughs> How and when did you discover your love for footwear? I think with footwear, it's always been so interesting to me because I actually, for so long, I didn't even know that shoes was a thing that you could design. And I remember when I was at school, I really liked art, I liked textiles, I liked resistant materials is what we called it at school, like woodwork. And I remember we even asked if we could do an extra GCSE at school so that we could do more, more creative subjects. So I've always been quite studious and interested in those different things and then I remember I went to graduate fashion week because I was interested in doing fashion I think I decided I wanted to do fashion I'd done fine art at college and then I also did physics because I thought I wanted to be an architect but then I failed physics so I was like okay I'm not gonna do that and then I yeah kind of stumbled across fashion and I thought fashion kind of fits with what I want to do and I went to graduate fashion week in London and I saw the University of Northampton there and I just remember coming across these brogues and they were like these bronze brogues and I can't remember the name of the student I think she was called Charlotte something and she'd made these amazing bronze 
pointy brogues. And I just thought that is everything I want to do in one product. It's art, it's product design, it's fashion, it's architecture. And it just kind of was in this like perfectly formed object. There's something about shoes that's just so... I don't know, it's like, it's compact, like everything's in there. So yeah, uh, from that point, I kind of was hooked on footwear. And then I did a lot of research, like worked out what unis that did footwear design. And I think because I'd fallen in love with that, those brogues at Northampton, I was like, I have to go to the University of Northampton. And that's, uh, that's where it all started. Those brogues have got a lot to answer for. I know, they? <laughs> they've really, yeah, they've really sent me on a journey. <laughs> so what was it like studying in Northampton? Because you're surrounded by everything from Footwear. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I loved it there. I had such a good experience. I met amazing, like lifelong friends there, and it was just such a such a fun university to be at. And I think that we had a lot of creative freedom with like the projects that we did, and also we had so much support from all the industry specialists that were there. You know, I did my final major project there with Grenson. I worked in the Grenson factory. I did. I remember presenting awards to Cheenies, to churches. Obviously, we had Guy West and Jeffrey West there, who were massive supporters of the uni. So I think that was so lovely because it you felt immersed in the kind of footwear kind of British footwear scene, I guess. And it really helped in terms of just, yeah, how to how to start navigating into the footwear world, I suppose. So when did you first hear about the Cordwainers Footwear Award? I think it was it was at uni. I remember one of my tutors was a member of the Cordwainers and she was really keen for us to apply for the award and obviously I was the first ever winner so uh, when the award kind of came about we didn't really know what it was we're like oh what is this award you know and Caroline our tutor was like come on everyone apply for this like do this and um, and it was incredible because as I kind of said before I'm quite a studious person I like to apply for all the awards I like to do everything that gets thrown at me so obviously I was like yep I'm doing this award don't worry about that and yeah it was incredible and I think then as we kind of were going through the award we learned more about the Corbiners and what they do and all these things and yeah honestly I never thought I was going to win I just wanted to be part of it really and that's and that's why I applied and what amazing job you did after you won yes where did your career take you yeah, so obviously one, which was really exciting. And I remember even the event and everything because there was like all the video and I think the video still exists somewhere that you can see. And it's so funny when you watch it because there's like, me at the beginning being like, oh, you know, really happy to be here, like completely oblivious to the fact that I've won. And then me at the end, just really shocked, um, <laughs> which was so funny. But yeah, it, it was so, so incredible. And obviously with the award, you got prize money, which was amazing. So that actually allowed me to study my MA at the Royal College of Art. And that was one of those things where kind of, like, I guess like most things in my life, I was kind of like, oh, you know, if I get in, I'll go. If I don't get in, I won't go. And then I got in and I was like, right, okay, guess I'm going to the RCA then to do an MA. And obviously I had the funding from the award, which was incredible. And that helped pay for my first year. So that was really amazing. And there... I mean, doing an MA is an experience. Like it is, it's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress, but obviously it's so rewarding as well. And I think that's where I started to develop kind of what I'm doing now really with like recycled materials and reconstructing sneakers as well. Because I think at Northampton, I'd always done like brogues and dress shoes really. And I hadn't really ventured into the sneaker world. So yeah, at my 
MA at the RCA, I think that was the first time that I thought, okay, I kind of know how to make a shoe. How do I unmake a shoe? Like, how do I change the construction? How do I challenge the construction? See if there's something more that I can kind of get out of this. And yeah, and that's that's kind of where I started really. And I had some amazing technicians at the RCA, also Dominic Casey, who I think is on the pod as well. Um, he was one of my tut- um, one of my technicians at RCA, and he was such an incredible help. Even though he wasn't always on board with the idea of sneakers, but I won him round in the end, and he helped me so much. <laughs> well, I think he's one of the ones that you can almost feel that he wants to give back to future generations. Definitely. Yeah, you know, and he has such energy yeah he's that, amazing that he you can feel like he just wants to give back whether he agrees with it or not you know the actual concept he you can tell that he he's a giving kind of guy definitely what was it like moving from northampton to london it was good i think i remember when i first went to the university of northampton One of the things that really drew me to it was, you know, this campus feel, this quite like small feeling and it felt very nurturing. So I really wanted to go there. And I remember saying to myself, I'll do my BA here. And if I do an MA, I'll do it in London. So um, that's what I did. And it was good. It was, it was, um, it was very different. It was obviously quite intense. I think doing an MA is, is a lot, but I got so much out of it. Really, you know, great connections, managed to do some great work experience as well. And um, then ended up, yeah, from my, from my MA I won a competition again because I love entering competitions won a competition to actually get an internship at Adidas and that's how I went from RCA to Adidas I did an internship there and then when I graduated they actually offered me a full-time position so then I went from London to Germany to work there for a year it's incredible. So tell us a bit about how you tell stories through your work and what initiated the deconstruction of shoes. Definitely. So I think for me, I think especially on my MA, I was really interested in changing construction methods. It's funny because when I look back through all my work, I think I've always been kind of interested in that in a way, but I never really like made the thread to put it all together. And yeah, I really wanted a couple of things. When I first got onto sneakers, the first thing was... I wanted to find out how they were made because I had no idea how they were made. So I asked people if they'd give me their old shoes to cut up and <laughs> and no one would give me their old shoes. And I really, uh, their sneakers specifically, and I kind of realised there's something about sneakers and our trainers, you know, that we are so connected to even more maybe than other shoes. And I think because there's this phrase in like the sneaker world called beaters, which are like your sneakers that you wear every day and they get absolutely scuffed and ruined. And like even your beaters, you don't want to part with because they have so many memories embedded into the material. And I realised that I wouldn't even cut up my own shoes. So that was the first thing I found really interesting. And that kind of led me onto this stories idea, how to tell like a narrative through um, through the things that I do. And then the deconstruction side of it was really a necessity to work out how things were made. So in the end, I started working with a recycling center called Trade because no one would give me their shoes. So I went there and was like, you got any old shoes I can have because no one else would give me them. When I was there, I saw the mass of like post-consumer waste that they have there, how many sneakers they have there that they can't do anything with. And that then got me on the whole kind of upcycling journey. So a few different routes kind of all brought it together into the same story, I guess, that I'm telling now. 
So where do you source your fabrics and footwear samples now? So I still work with Trade, which is really amazing. I have a, such a good relationship with them and they, um, they're they incredible. So I take from there, I take their odd shoes. So when you, top tip everyone, when you recycle your sneakers or any shoes actually, if you don't tie the laces together or basically secure them as a pair, if you put them in one of those bins, you know, that you see around London, like recycling bins, quite often they'll get separated in the sorting process because there's so much stuff that goes in there. You know, they get tipped in a van, tipped in somewhere else. And then the shoes get separated. And obviously the recycling centres are working so quickly that they don't have time to be like, oh, I saw, you know, that Air Force One five minutes ago. So a lot of the shoes end up single and they can't do anything with them. So I take the single shoes, uh, not all of them, a very small percentage, and I use those as my raw materials. So my sneakers that I create, we have two different, versions we do a legacy pair and a voyage pair and the voyage ones are using the trade single shoe parts basically so we bring them all back to the studio we clean them deconstruct them all and then we use those to make your brand new shoe and when you started this did you realize that you were being sustainable um i think i i i kind of knew that it was important but i didn't really i think i always cared about the planet and that when i saw the the kind of excess material that was then excess waste, I thought this is a resource that it seems silly not to use. And I also thought from that point on, I think I couldn't really imagine making stuff out of new material. There was something that I was like, there's just so much here that we can do something with that it just seems strange to me to get a new like roll of material. So I think I wasn't necessarily going into it like I'm a sustainable brand or guns blazing, but I was much more interested in the stories of post-consumer waste, interested in the stories that we embed on our products and the things that we own. And I think that's what always drives the studio and what I do. I love it. I love that you were in the sustainable footwear part of the Design Museum. Yeah, And so proud oh, as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, it was good being in the Design Museum. And that was amazing as well, because that Sneakers Unboxed exhibition, that exhibition had so many legends in like so many people that I have always admired and also friends that I've made since I've been on this journey in the industry and then to be in there with all of them I was like this is a pretty cool moment and have you found most footwear people are nice yes most footwear people <laughs> are nice I think especially the footwear scene because it's it's quite small and like people know each other and yet there's usually you're usually only a few connections away from someone that you need or someone some information that you need so it's I I found my personal experiences that people have been, you know, friendly and nice. And I think especially in the sustainability sector as well, we're all working towards the same goal, you know, to try and save the planet. So people want to share information, which I think is quite a welcome change. What's been your most challenging project? Most challenging? Well, um, they're all they're all kind of challenging in different ways. I think for me, I've just come out of launching our first sneakers at London Fashion Week that are like relaunching our made to order service at Fashion Week. So that was definitely a challenge. And I think sometimes the projects that are self-led, you know, by me can be the most challenging because when I'm working with a brand, obviously there's like parameters that you have to work within, but you're also working to somebody else's timeline, someone else's brief. So there's always someone pushing you along. Whereas when I'm, I'm in charge, 
I have to do it all myself. So I think I think that I definitely find that challenging. But yeah, our Fashion Week show, that was that was really exciting, but it was also very daunting and challenging because it was kind of the the first glimpse of like the Helen Kirkham world on a plate, I guess, you know, with the music that I wanted, the atmosphere that I wanted, the beer that I wanted, you know, the the people that I wanted to invite. That was the first time that I could kind of create a space that reflected what I'm doing within the brand. So that was a challenge, but I think it went well. <laughs> and what does the success of that look like? I think just um, kind of continuing to grow, but in like a... I think when I came way... in, you said, I've got, it's almost like you've got a taste for it now. Yes. You know, you've got a taste for what you look like and your own your own image. Yeah. And I, now you, you you said your words, I'm on it now. I'm on it. Yeah, I am on it. And now. I think that's yeah. maybe how you should answer it because that was what you said to me when I... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I am on it now. I think it's... I think what that allowed me to do is like believe that it's really possible for me to exist in a fashion space specifically because I think what I've what I've been doing for a long time is you know it's very artisanal products it's it's one of one it's bespoke pieces and I didn't really know for a long time how I could fit in the fashion sector as it's currently working but I think me being able to showcase in fashion week like that show made to order products show you know a much slower, much smaller way of creating a brand that actually is still functions made me feel like, you know, I'm not like barking up the wrong tree here. I think I'm doing something good. (laughs) Is that a good answer? Really good answer. (laughs) What does a normal day look like in your life? Well, I think there's no normal days. I think it all kind of differs but now I actually have a team and I have two members that of staff that work for me which is incredible so we've got a small team in the studio so I think that helps me to be more structured as well but usually I cycle here so I um, cycle through Victoria Park which is lovely and I have to say this morning it was literally like it's like being in a film you know all the autumn leaves and like the sun was shining off the pond and it was very beautiful and I was just cycling along like I'm like the main character in a film (laughs) Um, so that's such a nice way to start the day because that makes you feel like yeah I've got this I love days Um, like that (laughs) I know so good so that's lovely so yeah cycle here then I get here usually make a coffee you know look at my emails see assess the day and I try and break the days up into like admin and business management and all that sort of thing and creative days as well and I really try and make sure that I have time to do those creative projects because it's so easy to get sucked into all the like day-to-day kind of minutiae of running a business. So I love to, yeah, make sure I have time for creative projects. Usually we either have the radio on, I have like a, a playlist on Spotify that's called Make That Shoe. And it's like a lot of kind of like old, like indie songs that are quite like driven songs. So I just put that on if I'm in a stress and then I'll, um yeah, get that shoe made. <laughs> it's amazing how music puts you into a state of mind that Definitely. gets stuff done. Definitely does. When do you think you realise that you had an entrepreneurial part of your character? Do you know what? I honestly think it was during lockdown. Like, I think for the last couple of years, I've been kind of going and going and being like, you know, oh, let's keep, Yeah, you know, I'm doing something good. People are interested in what I'm doing. I'm collaborating with good people and just keep going. And I think during lockdown, having a little bit of a pause, being able to kind of assess what I'm doing with the business, what I'm doing with the brand and where it's going, allowed me to think about it in that way, like more of an entrepreneurial way and think, you know, this isn't just like, oh, Helen sits in her studio and makes a shoe anymore. This is like something bigger than me. And I think that that's that's allowed me to focus a lot more, which is 
it's quite exciting. I feel, I think things are going well. <laughs> I definitely think they are. Thank you. Have you had, and you might not have had this yet, a defining moment? Well, not just because I'm on the Cordwainers pod, but I remember when I won the Cordwainers Award back in 2014 and that was my first kind of like major award that I'd ever won. You know, I'd won like little bits and bobs at uni and, and things like that. But that was, you know, it was national award. It was other universities. It, I wasn't just in my kind of Northampton world anymore. And I honestly remember when they were reading out all the winners, I thought they'd forgotten me. Like I've been left out. I didn't even get like a highly commended, like, oh, you know, whatever. And then when I won, like I remember afterwards sitting in like the taxi on the way home and thinking like I won that and I I don't know I think it made me think I'm doing something I'm doing something that means something to people like something some people can see something in me that's like more than I can see in myself maybe so that definitely spurred me on and then I think as I've gone through my career I've had more like little moments like that that have helped me to be like you know every year or every couple of years like something like that happens like I don't know getting a job at Adidas for example like then I don't know after Adidas I like uh, consulted for Yeezy for a while like then I start you know got my studio and all these sort of things that just makes you think like okay I think I'm doing something good here like I should keep going keep going so I don't know if it's it one specific moment but I think it's when those little moments come along it's good to kind of recognize them and see them as like a sign to say like you're on the right track well I think the thing is about the Cordwainers ward was actually that led to you being funded for the Royal College exactly yeah and then I think it's then you're it's sort of it's it maybe took a different career path but I think it, it's about confidence isn't it and confidence in your work especially when you're a single band almost yeah and starting out and you've got all these ideas and you've got so many ideas you know even when you're just having a normal conversation with you you can see about 100 ideas just spurring off your head (laughs) like patches in footwear and you know you can just see so many of things springing to mind definitely yeah no I think I think that's true and I think also with the confidence thing it's like even sometimes going for it if you're not 100% confident because I think people that know me well know that half the time I'm not really that confident about my ideas and what I do but I have like it's like that gut instinct that makes you think like oh just go for it anyway and then once you start going you just have to carry on but also what's the worst that can happen yeah tell me a bit more about your positive business my positive business. Well, I think it it kind of incorporates a few different factors. I think what I what I've realized which is is really interesting is when you start to build a business and you're starting to, you know, I can actually do this however the flipping heck I want. And that's quite exciting because it makes you you able to put things into your business that that makes sense for you, that makes sense for the people that work for you, makes sense for the planet, you know, all these sorts of things. So I think I find it quite exciting to be able to do that. I remember when I first kind of got started getting much more busy and I suddenly decided one day, like, I'm not going to answer emails on the weekend. And I just thought, I don't have to do that. It's my business. I'm not going to answer emails on the weekend. And I know that's like so basic, but it's just putting these sort of boundaries in place that that's protect you and also protect the people that work for you so you know same with my team now I make sure we have like good working hours and we have like a nice 
you know, open relationship and it's all, you know, everyone's paid fairly and all that sort of thing. Like, I think that things like that are so important when you're building your business and especially at the early stages, because I don't want to build a business that grows super quickly, you know, with loads of, I don't know, loads of people that that I can't sustain. It doesn't make sense. So I think definitely that I try and do. And also in terms of using, you know, upcycling products, using recycled materials, working with trade, working with charitable organizations. I think things like that as well are super important in what I do. And also spreading kind of education about those sort of things and, you know, spreading the knowledge of how we can yeah, how we can look after our products better, how we can increase the longevity of them, or when we do want they do come to the end of life what we can do with them next I think all those sorts of things are just as valuable and I think for me I get just as much joy out of when somebody say dms me on Instagram and says like oh you know I was gonna throw my shoes away but instead of throwing them away I cut them up or I painted them or I added something or I took something away because I was inspired by you and I think that is spreading a mindset of something that's so important and that's that kind of educational side of of the business I love to do as well I don't know if that really answered the question <laughs> I think I went around the houses but got it there in the good. end and <laughs> um, so you also are surrounded by loads of cardboard maquettes yes. and <laughs> creativity and and you do a lot with young people and I think you're right. absolutely you're inspirational, your work that you do with up-and-coming designers and just young people to teach them more about footwear. How do you go about doing that? And what are the classes called? Yes. Because I want to attend. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I do a few different things. I offer mentoring slots for young designers. They don't have to be footwear designers. They can be textiles. They can be product design. Basically, anyone that's kind of interested in what I'm doing, I try and offer mentoring slots each month for some people so that they can... Can, you know, so I can just give them a bit of support because I always think if I had someone like that, you know, right in the early days, like I think that would have helped a lot, just like a kind of figure that kind of stays stays there and we do like five months basically so they do once a month and then after five months they like go off on their own <laughs> so I offer that which I which I love to do and then we also have I have a downloadable workshop called sneaker sculptures which you can find on my website um helenkirkham.com and it's so it's just so fun and it's one of my favorite things that I love to teach it's like an instantly downloadable workshop so people can access it whenever they want and it teaches yeah, one of my favorite methods, which is sneaker sculptures, which is where you basically make a sneaker from recycled household materials. And it teaches like spontaneity, creative, you know, creative practices that you wouldn't imagine. And I think the the thing I love the most about this workshop is that people start it and they're like, oh, I couldn't make anything good. I don't know how to make that. And then by the end, they're so inspired and amazed by like their sneaker design they've made a real sneaker design that could you know with a bit of tweaking could could be really made out of real materials and I think that that to help people to feel like they can do it and there's other ways into design that aren't just you know I'm amazing at drawing and that's my way in because I, I don't know if you remember when I first did the Cordwainers award as well that's I remember saying to you that I thought oh my sketches are like so quick and so like you know rushed and I always felt like they didn't stand up to some other people's amazing renders and that's that was one of the reasons why I developed this workshop because I wanted to show people you don't have to be good at drawing to be good at designing your sketches are just full of energy and I think you Thanks. can they're palpable the energy w within them yeah 
and because um, they're quick, because <laughs> they're quick, but they're 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 terrific. How do you go about inspiring yourself? Like, what is, is there a process that you start with? Yeah, I think um, it's actually really interesting because a couple of days ago I started on this new collaboration that I'm doing, and I was thinking, oh, I don't know where to start with this, and I think it always comes back to kind of the materiality and the story behind the material of the products I think when I'm especially when I'm working with recycled materials they they have so much character in them they have so much energy within the materials and the shapes are predetermined you know you have you have some parameters to work within so I think whenever I kind of start I just get some materials out on the table and that allows me to just start thinking by moving things around and playing and it's like a tactile way to start working I think if someone gave me like a blank sketchbook and a pencil I wouldn't know where to start but I think as soon as I have a few objects in front of me I can start creating a design and I think that's I remember my dad used to always say to me if you don't know um, where to start make something out of paper and I think that's kind of where that comes from like just just start moving something around and your kind of cogs will start turning. Do you wear your own work? Yes, I do. Not very many pairs because most of them, if I do made to order, obviously they go straight to the clients. But any of the collaboration, like Adidas collaboration, Reebok collaboration, I have Reebok. I mean, I have the first sample only. I don't even have the final shoe. Um, but Adidas campus, I have um, the shoe and a couple of other pairs. And now I've finally made myself a made to order as well. So I do have those, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> And do you like a stiletto as well? <laughs> Not really. I'm quite a low flat shoe kind of gal. Um, I feel like a heeled boot is about as extravagant as I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Who and what inspires you? I think I'm always inspired, I think definitely by like the art world. For me, you know, looking at like fine artists, like looking at, I don't know, like Basquiat or Lucian Freud, like people like that, that use so much texture in their work, I think always inspires me. And or also sculpture artists, people like Rachel White Reed, I absolutely love like her, I think her sculptures, one day in my life, I'm going to have like one of her sculptures and it's going to have a pair of shoes on top. And I feel like that would be the dream. Defining moment. Yes. We'll do that one in yeah. like 10 years. <laughs> Because, yeah, I think she, yeah, she embeds so much memories into what she does as well. And I think, so I think the fine art world, I always draw a lot of inspiration from. And also our kind of like everyday life. I think being on the tube, being surrounded by people, like looking at how people tie their laces, like how their shoes are worn, their tread patterns, you know, how, you know, where they've got holes in their shoes, like all those sort of things really inspire me. So I think it's, yeah, it's kind of a mix between those two worlds is kind of where I, where I start. What advice would you give to a budding footwear designer have a go <laughs> what's the worst what's the worst that can happen I think um something that I always say to students when I'm kind of doing you know talks and workshops is building a network I think is is really important and I remember people always saying to me build a network and I thought I've got no idea what that means like how do you build a network and I think it's really just be enthusiastic about people's work like people that you people that inspire you people that you're interested in you know we're in such a connected world now it's so easy to reach out to people on Instagram or even just comment or you know get closer to their world and I think that those sort of things go a long way so I think definitely 
start to build a network in like an organic way that works for you. Also the people that are your classmates, your, you know, people that you work with at the moment. I have so many people from my BA, people that I did work experience with, like you, for example, you know, people that I have worked with along the way that, you know, still I work with now. And maybe I did one thing for them for free once and now I can get paid work from them or whatever it is. So I think building a network is really important. And I think one of the main thing ways to do that is be a nice person, be kind to people and be enthusiastic about people's work. And I think that takes you a long way. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Yeah. Easy as that, guys. Easy. <laughs> so now we're on quick fire questions. Oh, Lord. Okay. If you could talk to the Prime Minister, what would you say? I would say sort out this climate crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing you designed. Last thing I designed, I'm working on new shoe boxes at the moment. So that is what we're designing at the moment. Very beautiful. What fashion trend do you just not get? Fashion trend I just don't get. Flares are coming back. That's weird for me. I'm not into flares. I remember the days when all the rain used to soak up your flares and it's just (laughs) not worth it. (laughs) Are you morning or night person? A night person. Marmite, love it or hate it? Love it. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you want with you? Uh, a sketchbook and a pen. Maybe a mobile phone. <laughs> and a car. Yeah. A boat, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what was the last thing you fixed? Last thing I fixed was this stool before I sat on it. <laughs> that was like an hour ago. Yeah. Tea or coffee? I would usually say tea, but I think I've changed to coffee. What? I think I'm a grown-up now. When did that happen? <laughs> no, I don't believe her. <laughs> could you survive in the wilderness for a week? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah. What song do you know off by heart? Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Really? It's quite a long one, <laughs> but I do know I do know all the words. <laughs> would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too cold on a scale of one to ten how cool are you how cool am i oh um maybe just edging on a six <laughs> i think you're probably a ten do you oh, yes <laughs> helen how can podcast listeners get in touch with you if they want to see your work yes so they can follow me on instagram twitter tiktok helen kirkham studio Um, My website is helenkirkham.com where you can find workshops, you can find products and also made to order. And that is the best way to contact me. (laughs) Thanks so much, Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure to walk in your shoes. For more interest in Cordwainers livery, please visit our website, cordwainers.org or our Instagram. Worshipful company of Cordwainers.